Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I've been making the rounds with a bunch of our small groups recently over the last few months. And uh, one of the questions I always ask them is, what do you want to know about your pastor? What have you been dying to ask? And that question can go in any number of directions. I tell them, we can go personal biography, we can go church business, we can go the- theology, whatever it is you want to you know. And one of the questions that a few folks have asked, I've gotten more than a couple times, honestly, is, well, how did you and Jennifer meet? And I like that question, because it's one of my favorite stories. Jennifer and I have known each other. We first met when I was a four-year-old. She was a three-year-old in, a, in a, some sort of preschool Bible study nursery. That's where we first met each other. But we didn't actually know each other very well for a long time after that. And to her, tell it what she knew of me, she didn't like. Until my senior year, when we ended up uh, through the, the school that we attended and everything else, uh, spending a lot of time together. And when it came time for my senior prom, I knew who I wanted to ask, and Jennifer was my date, presumably because she had great pity on me. We dated. We went on a couple more dates after that, and then the summer was coming to an end, and it was time for me to go to college, and uh, we kind of needed to figure out where this was going, at least in the short to medium term. Wanted to know, if, are we still going to keep dating while I go to college? Is this going to be for the long term? So I invited Jennifer over, and... I had my parents in the, the living room and sat down with her and just said, I need to know where this is going. So I'd like to hear your best pitch on why we should stay together. What am I going to get out of this? And Jennifer, being the remarkably competent person that she is, she had a slide deck ready. And she just plugged it into the TV and walked me through it. Her perspective uh, earnings for the rest of her life based on her career path, uh, kind of her plans, uh, her hobbies and how they lined up with mine and how we could amplify each other's joy. And she brought in a financial audit statement that I took to my accountant. And I said, all right, what is going to be my return on investment in this relationship? And the accountant did his audit and he came back about uh, two, two weeks later and he said, I think you're going to see like 20 to 25% annual returns in your happiness every year with this girl with a minimal downside risk. And I went back to her and I said, let's do this. I think we're in for the long haul. And of course, the last part of that is not true because I'm not a monster. And I saw it in your eyes just before you realized I was lying to you. That look that says, what kind of jerk is our pastor? (laughs) Because you know, deep down in you, that what's in it for me is not the sort of question that love asks. When you truly love someone, you don't love them because of what you will get from them. You love that person in and of themselves. Even sports fans know this about love. When you love a team, you don't love them because they raise your status or make you look good. The Ole Miss and Tennessee fans here among us know that especially well. When we love a person, whether that's romantic love or friendship or fandom, it's not because we want something from them. We just want to be with them, to know them. And if all we get out of the relationship is a real and honest relationship with our beloved, then we count ourselves lucky and say, this is all I could have asked for. 
For the next six weeks, we're going to be talking together about something called a disciple's path. And we're going to be using these six weeks to look at our own hearts and our own commitments and try to give open and honest answers about our relationship with Jesus. If you were here last year around this time, when we did a a campaign that we called The Difference We Make, you know that we focused primarily on the financial parts of that commitment to God. But this year, our focus is a little bit different. We're calling this a discipleship emphasis. It's a discipleship campaign of sorts because that's our mission as a church. Says it on our letterhead. It says it on the walls around here. We make disciples who make a difference. And if God is going to use us to make disciples, then we have to be disciples. And if we're going to be disciples, that means we have to be moving Because that's what the word disciple means when Jesus uses it here in this passage from Luke. And anytime Jesus uses it, the word disciple is not a super high status word. It is not a word for a special select group of holy folks. The word disciple just means someone who follows. A disciple is anyone who takes Jesus up on the offer that he makes in Luke 9 today and that he makes for us now. The offer where he says, come and follow me. And by the way, notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, if you want to become my believers. He doesn't say, if you want to become my admirers. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, then come and follow me. There's a big difference between being a follower and an admirer, a follower or a believer, because being a follower implies action. It takes some activity and some movement. And in this church, every member promises exactly what Lynn shared with us, that we will actively live a life of prayer and present and gifts and service and of witness. Because these are essential movements and activities for those of us who want to join other disciples on the path of following Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we're going to go through each one individually. Talk about where we've grown and what it means to live these out so that we can all come on November 10th for our Commitment Sunday and we can all make a statement of here is where God is calling me to go in the coming year. So we can say collectively, I am going to trust him and I am going to chase after him and I am going to follow after him. But we're just beginning that path today. And there's a big part of me that wants to caution you against deciding right now deciding too early what your commitment will be for the following year. I want you to pray about it and wait and listen before you promise your prayers and your presence and your gifts and service to God. I'd love for you to join one of our Sunday schools or small groups that is walking the disciples' path together. I'd love for you to come tonight for Woods' group that meets at 5 o'clock. I'd love for you to do the daily readings with us. So you can be open to a surprise from God along the way. Because one thing that today's passage reminds us, and one thing that I have learned by experience, is that when we follow Jesus, he is not always going to follow Google Maps recommendations. I'm not going to ask you today how you will follow him for the coming year. It's still too early to decide that. Who knows what God might ask of us? But today... From the very beginning, there is one decision that you and I can both make. 
in us the decision not of how or where we will follow Jesus, but simply that we will, that we will follow Jesus. You can decide even before you know where he might take you, that what you want is to be near him, to know him. And if you're wondering what you'll get out of the deal, well, the only thing that we as a church have to offer is Jesus. All that we get from discipleship is a real, honest relationship with our beloved. But that is more than we can imagine. Do you remember there was this one time that Jesus fed 5,000 people with just a few pieces of bread? Do you remember that? Nodding means yes. Do you remember what happened the next day? Even more people came. Those who were there went, they got their friends, they all came back with their hands out. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life and I am the living bread that came from heaven. Jesus had them there and no matter what they were looking for, Jesus offered himself. There was another time. It happened just before what we read today. Jesus was traveling and he made a stop at the house of two friends, Martha and Mary. And Martha welcomed Jesus and the disciples. She took this really healthy pride in making them feel at home. But Mary went and sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. And she must have been the only woman there. The only woman who would presume and dare to presume the posture of a disciple sitting there at his, her master's feet. Martha called Mary out right in front of Jesus. But Jesus only said, Mary has chosen the one thing necessary. And it will not be taken from her. All that Mary wanted was to be near Jesus, to put herself in the place where she'd be dependent on him. I don't know what you want from Jesus, but I know what he wants to give you. Jesus wants to give you himself, his life, his heart, his mind, his love. And I know that when we live lives of prayer and presence and generosity and service and witness, then these basic steps help us to stay close to the heart of God. You're not going to keep up any of those for very long unless you are willing to discover Jesus in them. And today, every one of us can decide from the very beginning all over again that we will go wherever Jesus goes, that we will follow and if we are willing to follow him, if we put him first, if we seek him above anything else, then he can do all sorts of unexpected things. And I want you to pay attention to this part. I want you to notice what happens when you follow Jesus from back there and you follow Jesus from over here and I follow Jesus from here and someone in the choir follows Jesus from there. We all start in these different places. But if Christ is our center and we all move toward him, it doesn't matter if we start over there or over there or way, way behind me somewhere. If Christ is at our center as we move closer to him, not only do we get him, but we get each other. Drawn from all the places where we were once far off, we draw closer to him and we discover that we are not alone. Every church I've ever known says that they wanted unity. When I listen to the world around me, I hear a deep longing for unity and a deep lament for the things that divide us. But wanting unity never brings us unity because unity is not the purpose of the church. 
It's one of those gifts that comes about in a church where we are all drawing closer to Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are right now or where you're from, or no matter how far you've wandered, all that matters is who you're looking toward. It doesn't matter if you're new to this or if you're well-practiced. If Christ is at your center, if you are moving toward him, if you are following him, no matter where you start from, no matter where you are now, then your path is a part of mine, is a part of ours. In this church, we say our mission is making disciples, making followers who make a difference. And today I want to remind you that those are roughly the same thing. If we are disciples, if we are following Jesus, then it can make all kinds of difference. When we follow Jesus, it can give us unity, can give us healing, can give us comfort and security and purpose and power, but we don't get any of those things if we put them above Jesus. We seek him first, and all these things shall be added. If we love these other things because we love Jesus, then we can run and never grow weary. After all, when you love someone, you don't ask them, what's in it for me? Love takes all our self-sufficiency and our self-interest, and it makes all that seem so small in comparison. Love is about finding delight in someone or something who is not like you. Love is when I can see through the eyes of someone else because I realize I want their good above my own. Love doesn't say, how can I get what I want from you? It doesn't ask what's in it for me, and thank God for that. Because can you imagine if God only loved us for what we can offer? What does God need from us? Nothing. But God loves us and gives us everything for the sheer joy of knowing us and calling us beloved. God even gives his own self, and he says, share this with me, walk with me, follow me. And that eternal invitation is the one that we have before us today. And today is the day to decide if we will accept it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.